Today is the 20th day of January. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian, and it's great to be here with you today as we gather around the global campfire and take the next step forward together. And um, we are fully immersed in the story of Joseph at this point, and so that's where we're picking up the story Joseph has been in a dungeon for a while. He's interpreted some dreams. The news of this interpretation has reached Pharaoh, who has had some troubling dreams. Joseph has been summoned from the dungeon and is now in front of Pharaoh. Pharaoh wants Joseph to take a stab at it, whether or not Joseph could interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And so let's pick up the story. Genesis chapter 41 Verses 17 through 42 today. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile when seven well-fed, healthy-looking cows came up from the Nile and grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, weak, very sickly and thin, came up. I've never seen such sickly ones as these in all the land of Egypt. Then the thin, sickly cows ate the first seven well-fed cows. When they had devoured them, you could not tell that they had devoured them. Their appearance was as bad as it had been before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, coming up on one stalk, After them, seven heads of grain, withered, thin, and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed the seven good ones. I told this to the magicians, but no one can tell me what it means. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams mean the same thing. The seven thin, sickly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind are seven years of famine. It is just as I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After them, seven years of famine will take place, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it, for the famine will be very severe. Since the dream was given twice to Pharaoh, it means that the matter has been determined by God and he will carry it out soon. So now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming. Under Pharaoh's authority, store the grain in the cities so they may preserve it as food. 
The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. And the country will not be wiped out by the famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And he said to them, Can we find anyone like this? A man who has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only I as king will be greater than you. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and servants called out before him, Make way! So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and no one will be able to raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt without your permission. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath, Paniah, and gave him a wife, Azanath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout the land of Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced outstanding harvests. Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years and put it in the cities. He put the food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance, like the sand of the sea, that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine arrived. Azanath, daughter of Potipharah, priest at On, bore them to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, God has made me forget all my hardship and my whole family. And the second son he named Ephraim and said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in every land, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When the whole land of Egypt was stricken with famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Pharaoh told all Egypt, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Now the famine had spread across the whole region, so Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Every land came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain for the famine was severe in every land. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you keep looking at each other? Listen, he went on, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. 
go down there and buy some for us so that we will live and not die. So ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Joseph was in charge of the country. He sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? he asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see the weakness of the land. No, my lord, your servants have come to buy food, they said. We are all sons of one man. We are honest. Your servants are not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see the weakness of the land. But they replied, We, your servants, were twelve brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no longer living. Then Joseph said to them, I have spoken. You are spies. This is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one from among you to get your brother. The rest of you will be imprisoned so that your words can be tested to see if they are true. If they are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. So Joseph imprisoned them together for three days. Matthew 13, 24-46 He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheats, and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. He presented another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. 
It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables, and he did not tell them anything without a parable, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. I will open my mouth in parables. I will declare things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He replied, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed, these are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Therefore, just as the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather from His kingdom all who cause sin and those guilty of lawlessness. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears listen. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Psalm 18, 1 through 15. Praise for deliverance. For the choir director of the servant of the Lord, David, who spoke the words of this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from the grasp of all his enemies and from the power of Saul. He said, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer, my God, where I seek refuge my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I was saved from my enemies. The ropes of death were wrapped around me. The torrents of destruction terrified me. The ropes of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. I called to the Lord in my distress and I cried to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. And the earth shook and quaked, 
The foundations of the mountains trembled. They shook because he burned with anger. Smoke rose from his nostrils, and consuming fire came from his mouth. Coals were set ablaze by it. He bent the heavens and came down. Total darkness beneath his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his hiding place. Dark storm clouds his canopy around him. From the radiance of his presence, his clouds swept onward with hail and blazing coals. The Lord thundered from heaven. The Most High made his voice heard. He shot his arrows and scattered them. He hurled lightning bolts and routed them. The depths of the sea became visible. The foundations of the world were exposed at your rebuke, Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. Proverbs 4, 1-6 Listen, sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding for I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words from my mouth. Don't abandon wisdom, and she will watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Okay, so as we continue our journey through the book of Genesis, and now continue our journey through Joseph's story, we've seen a remarkable uh, twist of fate, a, a remarkable change of fortunes. Joseph, who really had the latter part of his childhood and his early adulthood essentially stolen from him by being trafficked into slavery by his own brothers, by his own family, sold into slavery, and having to go through all of the injustice that he went through while retaining character and integrity, it has actually worked out. Even though Joseph had to go through an awful lot of things that would be incredibly traumatic to go through, everywhere he went, he tried to thrive where he was. So even while he's in prison... He thrives there and is in charge of everything there. And it gives us this picture of the fact that difficult things really, even unjust, unjust things happen. And, and that can become the story. That can become the identity. That can become who we are. What's happened to us can become who we are. But in the story of Joseph, we watch a person kind of taking the long view and believing that 
story isn't over. There's other chapters. And in the case of Joseph, he's brought before Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams, gives Pharaoh some administrative advice. Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge and he is second in command of all of Egypt. Like from the dungeon to second in command of the nation. And as it turns out, there are seven years of prosperity and Joseph is able to begin to accumulate resources that can be used during this, the, the season of famine that is coming. And so Joseph is a very powerful person in Egypt and he will actually redeem. He will, he will save Egypt during the famine as well as all of the surrounding countries, which is how Joseph's brothers end up before him. The famine is in Canaan. There isn't any food. The rumor is there's food in Egypt. Why is there food in Egypt? Because somebody foresaw what was happening. That was Joseph, and he was able to prepare Egypt for the oncoming famine. Israel and his children back in the land of Canaan, they are not prepared. And so they have to come to Egypt for food. And that's when the brothers come before Joseph. And they bow before Joseph. And Joseph's dream came true. And he is aware of who they are and they are not aware of who he is. And we will watch as this story continues forward the way that Joseph is seeking to find out more about his family, but also more about the hearts of his brothers. And we will continue this story in the days ahead as it reaches a very, very dramatic conclusion. Then we turn into the book of Matthew today and we encounter Jesus teaching in parables. And he gives three parables today that are all about the same thing. And if we look at them and not just kind of read them and go like, yeah, there's another Jesus parable. I've heard this a thousand, a thousand times in Sunday school. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know all the stories of Jesus. If we actually just look at what he's teaching us, he's teaching us a lot because the three stories that he talks about today are telling us what God's kingdom is like and if it's god's kingdom then it is administrated by god it is god's kingdom and so it represents god so god's kingdom is also what god is like and so in these three parables jesus specifically says this is what the kingdom is like so for example the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in a field or the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Or the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. So let's look at what God's kingdom is like and see how that knowledge applies to our lives because we all consider ourselves part of the kingdom, right? But if we're claiming to be part of the kingdom but we are nothing like the kingdom... Well, then that's a problem. We're claiming something that isn't true. So what is God's kingdom like? Jesus says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. 
But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed seeds among the wheat, and left. When the plants sprouted and produced grain, then the weeds also appeared. The landowner's servants came to him and said, Master, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he told them. So do you want us to go and pull them up? The servants asked him. No, he said. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles to burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. So that's the parable. And with a parable like this, we look at the characters in the story and go, who is who here? Because if we know who's who, then we have context for what is being said. Thankfully, in the case of the parable of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus gives us an explanation. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. So this is Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed These are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. The harvest is the end of the age. The harvesters are angels. This is how Jesus explains this parable. So if that's what we're looking at, then the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. Jesus, the Son of Man, who sowed good seed in his fields. But while people were sleeping, his enemy came, sowed weeds among the wheat, and left. The enemy, then, according to Jesus, is the evil one. When the plant sprouted and produced grain, then there were weeds and wheat growing together, and the servants came and said, Didn't you sow good seed? And remember, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, and the weeds are what was sown in among the field of good seed. I guess we could say that, like the children of darkness, the children following after the evil one. So let's pause here for a second. We look at a scenario like this, uh, a good field that could yield a harvest full of weeds. And if we take the metaphor and go, this is, this is God's kingdom, then we often find ourselves in the position of the servants. Do you want us to go and pull up the weeds? Like, we are the defenders of God and we are going to uproot everything that isn't part of God's kingdom, no matter who we have to take out to do that, no matter who has to get hurt, no matter who has to get marginalized, no matter who has to become estranged from God because of a misrepresentation of who God is. We often jump to that place where we're like, we are the weeders of God's field. The irony is that the message of this parable is quite different. 
the servants notice that wheat and weeds are growing up together in the same field. And this field is God's kingdom. And the servants come and say, do you want us to go pull out the weeds? The master says, no. When you pull up the weeds, you might also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At harvest time, I'll tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and tie them in bundles and burn them, but collect the wheat in my barn. And so often we also can think, I'm not only the weeder and the gardener, but I am also a part of the reaping. So maybe I can't pull out the weeds now, but one day I'm going to get sent in and I'm going to gather the harvest for God. Ironically, we don't have anything to do with that. At least according to Jesus, the reapers are angels. So who are we in this story then? Are we the children of the kingdom? If we're the children of the kingdom, then we are like we have a job and it's not the jobs that we try to take on ourselves. Our job is to grow, is to grow where we are among the weeds. God is allowing the weeds to grow up among the weeds. We aren't to do the weeding and we aren't doing the harvesting either. We have no business calling somebody wheat or weeds. We're not doing the separating. So when we look at this parable just under the surface a little deeper, think it through a little bit, we begin to realize I I'm jumping into all we jump into all kinds of things that we have no business in. It's not our job, it's not our role, it's not our assignment. And we need to start thinking about how we are acting toward the weeds. Are we trying to pull them up? Because we can destroy good at the same time. Exactly like the master said in this parable, we can cause destruction while we try to do jobs that were not assigned to us. There's a lot to think about in there. But that wasn't the only parable that Jesus used to describe what the kingdom of heaven is like. He said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took so a man was used in the previous parable. So a man, we're talking about the son of man here, Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. So what can we say here? This is just a couple of sentences and a little story, but what's lurking here? What, what are we learning? First of all, it's the Son of Man that sowed the seed. So we didn't sow the seed. We're, we're, not, we're not the sower. 
God is the sower here and he plants a mustard seed. And ironically, mustard seed is is more of a weed for the hearers here. It's the kind of plant that if it takes root, you can't get rid of it. Jill and I had a, a yucca plant uh, uh, at, at our last house, and I loved it. We had a couple of them. They were there when we got there, and I, I loved them, but she, they grew, and she got sick of them and decided to cut one of them down, and she cut it down, and it came right back. We find out, no, you're going to have to find the root ball. Like, you're going to have to... You have to uproot this. I mean, this thing got dug up, got chained to a pickup truck, and still couldn't be pulled out of the ground. It Once it took root, like it's near impossible to get rid of. And mustard seed is like that. So it's not particularly desirable. Like it's not something that people want to go and plant it's something that people kind of want to keep rid of and yet yet God is planting in his field things that people want to get rid of and isn't that the story of the gospel that while we were his enemies he still came for us that he would plant us even when we were the undesirable, even when we were the marginal. Like, isn't this who Jesus is going to? And he's saying, this is what I'm planting in my field. It's the smallest of all the seeds, but when grown, it's taller than the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the sky come and nest in its branches. So God's kingdom is like this small thing that when it takes root is impossible to get rid of. And the very thing that people wanted to get rid of actually grows enough to bring life and shelter. Powerful teachings here. And then the last parable that we came came to today. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. So leaven is yeast. And I'm not a baker. My wife is like a magical cook. Uh, I'm not a baker or a cook of any any sort, really. I can follow a recipe. But I know what yeast does. I've actually made bread before. And I've made unleavened bread before. And the two are very different loaves. So yeast makes makes the dough rise, right? And gives fluffiness and it makes a more palatable loaf of bread. But if you took that loaf of bread and decided you wanted to take the yeast out of it, that I don't know how I don't think that's possible. Right? So like once the yeast is mixed in you can't take it back out but because it was there the whole loaf 
was a different loaf. It changed the constitution. It changed everything. So how do we look at this in terms of God's kingdom? It's mixed in just like wheat and weeds. It's mixed in. And once it's mixed in, you can't get it out. And it changes everything. This is what God's kingdom is like. We have to stop saying it's different. This is what it's like. I mean, unless the gospel of Matthew is just a joke and it shouldn't be in the all of the gospels for that matter because they all have parables in them. So if, if the New Testament is a joke, okay, then we don't need to pay attention to any of this. But these are the words of the one that we believe to be God incarnate, the one who came to rescue us, like our Savior, our hopes are placed in him. He's teaching this. He's teaching about what his kingdom is like. And it's not like this bombastic, massive enterprise that is world dominant. Actually, God's kingdom is like God. God's kingdom is like what Jesus looks like and what Jesus did and how he operated in this world. God's kingdom is this small, imperceptible thing that changes everything. God's kingdom is this small thing that once it takes root, it cannot be taken away. It cannot be removed. God's kingdom is growing. God's kingdom is happening now. We are to grow where we are among everything else. It's not our role to do the weeding. It's our role to do the growing. Let's give some thought today to what the Master is teaching us about His Kingdom and what that might mean to the way we operate in it, live in it, be in it and conduct ourselves in it. So Jesus, we love you and we thank you for another opportunity to gather together and take the next step forward in the scriptures. And we thank you for all that we can learn and glean and apply to our lives in the story of Joseph and all that we can learn and glean in our lives from what you are teaching in the gospels. Holy Spirit, come, help us to consider, help us to, to change. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways that we have misrepresented so many things and taken on roles that were never assigned to us. Help us to be children of the kingdom, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base, and that is where you can find out what's going on around here. The Daily Audio Bible app does that in the palm of your hand, so check that out. And check out the community section. That is where to get connected. There's a list of different links to the social media channels that Daily Audio Bible participates in, and that's good to know. And the prayer wall also lives there in the community section. And that is, that is 
a resource that is always available. We can always ask for prayer and share our stories. We can always go and pray for each other and encourage each other. And so uh, if you haven't had a chance to visit yet, make it a point to, to visit and share your story. If you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, if being around the global campfire together and taking the next step forward together each and every day is life-giving, then thank you humbly for your partnership. There is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right-hand corner. Or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee, 37174. And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app. That's the little red button at the top. Or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here tomorrow. Hi, this is Bob the Bean. I'm asking for my brothers and sisters to lift my marriage up. Been 40 years married my high school sweetheart. But our marriage just crumbling to the ground right now. I don't know how to stop it. I don't know what life could be without it. I'm trying to do this alone and I know that's not right. So I want to reach out to my brothers and sisters. Pray for my wife who's really um, struggling now with a lot of anger. Help me to not to react to things that are done uh, that are trying to provoke uh, me to react. We haven't been going to church, and I know that's not right. I'm going to church this morning, trying to get the train back on the wheels on the track. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Hello, this is my first time on here. Um, my name is Austin. I'm from Bremerton. Um, and my dad, Antonio, is is having health problems. He's 85 years old. Um, we lost my mother last Christmas. So Christmas of 2021. Um, <clears throat> And so once the once this holiday season came, his health started to deteriorate as well. And um, some of the doctors are optimistic, but some of them are um, are quite negative and quite grim. And I'm worried about him because I love him so much. I love both of them so much. And they're all I have. They've always been great parents. 
So please pray for them. Pray for him. Pray for me, please. Thank you. Good morning, Dad family. This is Bridget from New York City, and I just want to pray for a few of the dabbers. First, I want to pray for Incognito. Lord, I just ask for your, your spirit of comfort to come upon this family, to, to come upon um, this tragic situation. And God, that, Lord, you would let your spirit rest on this 10-year-old who found her father, my God. Just ask you, sweet Jesus, to come and to uh, turn this around, this situation, Lord God, in only the way that you can, my God. I ask you, Father God, to just let your spirit come and comfort each and every person, my God. I pray also, Father, for Renzo, Lord God, for his eyes and ears, Lord. I pray that, Lord, you would help him to meditate on you, Lord God. Philippians 4, 8, Renzo, focus on such things in Philippians 4, 8, and be mindful and watchful yourself, and that is what you're doing, so continue to do that. Don't let the enemy lie and steal the truth that you are already doing that in the name of Jesus, and I want to pray for this wife, Anonymous. Lord... I just ask you for this marriage, my God, Jesus, Lord, I pray, Father God, Lord, that you would come, Holy Spirit, and uproot and, and expose everything that is in the dark, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to this man of God, that your Holy Spirit would comfort this woman of God, that your Holy Spirit, my God, would take what the enemy intends for evil and turn it around for good, Lord God, and Show up, my God, in this situation. Hello, GAB friends. This is Anna in the trenches. Um, I want to thank you all so much for praying for me. Um, oh, we have been losing people due to accidental overdoses. Um, we have a lot of friends that struggle with addiction. And so on Wednesday, we had a funeral for a girl who came through our church from the prison, got out of prison, and then started using again. Um, often people disappear once they get out of prison. They stop coming to church and, you know, you can only do so much. And anyway, um, it wasn't an intentional overdose, but if you could just pray for her sister and her friend, uh, her name was Jessica. Anyway, and last night we found out uh, that Melissa, another girl that got out of prison not that long ago and just got off parole, um, was with Jessica when Jessica died. And we're really worried about Melissa and about her sobriety and her walk with the Lord. So if you could just pray for Melissa right now that she would stay sober and process her trauma and just reach out to anyone and walk with the Lord during this time. Hello, my daily audio Bible family. This is Aussie James. And yeah, I no longer live in Japan. I've been back in Australia since 2019, but I haven't called in for ages. I have I think last time I called in was 2018, but I've been listening along most of the time. Yeah, sometimes I haven't, but I have been listening pretty much consistently in the last 
little while. So yeah, I was just I just heard about um, Pelham's passing, and I'm really was sad to hear about that. As when I first joined the Daily Audio Bible, he had just joined it as well, and we were praying for each other on the prayer line. Yeah, um, just pray for me. I'm I've got you know just just finding it hard with my work and. And I'm uh, doing a bit of seminary study as well, just seeking uh, direction of when we go back to Japan to live or, or even just for a visit because we haven't been back because of the, uh, you know, the situation in the world with all the lockdowns and everything. We haven't been back yet. But things are starting to open up, but we're just sort of planning when that will be the right time to make a visit. And yeah, there's opportunities to maybe move back there longer term, but I just want to get my seminary studies completed before I do that and a bit of a shout out to my friend Slave of Jesus glad, glad to hear you're still around mate and also James the teacher look praying for you and all the situation in your life at the moment thank you my my wonderful daily audio bible love you all bye hi guys it's Emily in Seattle it's Saturday, January 14, and I've got a prayer request today. My husband is a delivery driver for a small courier company, and his dispatcher dispatches two companies, and the one that my husband does not work for is in a serious situation right now. A driver um, is missing, and he had some samples of blood with him that were from an Everett clinic um, going to a hospital, I think. And um, we can't find the guy or the samples or his car or anything. And um, because this is blood that he was supposed to deliver, um, there could be lawsuits involved because patients' lives are at stake. So if you could pray for Jeff, that's the dispatcher and the owner of the company named Kevin, um, and for the Alpha company, Um, that God would protect it and that they wouldn't go under because of this situation, even if they are taken to court. Um, Just pray that God will intervene and that everything will work out for the best. Thanks, guys. 